Hi, I'm Andrew Tobias. And I'm Stephen Goldmeyer. The internet's a weird place. We're going to show you. Hold on to your butt. Yeah. Oh, what do you want to? What do you want to do? Hi. Hey. Oh, wait. So we say hi, and I'm you, and you're me, and that's how we usually. Okay. Hi, I'm Andrew Tobias, and I'm Stephen Goldmeyer. We're here to talk about some stuff this week. Yeah, this episode's going to be about uh, a couple different things. We're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, some gamesmanship that happened on Reddit in the world of uh, meme creation, mm-hmm. which it's it's riveting. <laughs> riveting. I think it's really interesting. Uh, it's more interesting than it sounds. And we're also going to talk about Vine versus Instagram and how both of those stories uh, have to do with internet companies competing for viewership and use and, you know, uh, platform saturation on the internet. And unvarnished capitalism, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing we're going to talk about is the Trayvon Martin case and a couple of things that bled over to the internet from the story of that case. Yeah. So, yeah, it is. Let's get started. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we're back. Hey, we're back. Let's talk about... The Trayvon Martin That's murder That's our thing trial. now. We do that like every time, I think. I think we do. It's great. I think we lined them. If someone wanted to make a super cut of us saying, and we're back. And we're back. Yeah. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> I take back every mean thing I ever said about David Letterman. Yeah. <laughs> the guy's got it locked down. And He's got to just... have a kit bag. Yep. We need ours. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to talk about the Trayvon Martin case, or I guess that's the thing. One thing that's very interesting to me is when people talk about this story, at least on the internet, and I think in the rest of the world too, they're calling it the Trayvon Martin case. Yeah. Uh, not the what George Zimmerman case. Whatever right. Well, which is weird because for most most cases, people talk about the suspects and not the victims, and right. that's like a. a a criticism that people have like you're marginalizing the loss because we're fetishizing the serial killer or whatever right, right? but we are we are fetishizing the hell out of this victim I yeah guess. we sure are well and it also has a lot more like uh uh the obvious narrative in this case would be somebody has died and now somebody's guilty and so just treat it like every other case right um but the fact that there's a competing narrative that the that maybe somebody has died and somebody is not necessarily guilty of something the fact that it makes the victims sort of differences from the perpetrator so so important maybe makes the victim's name the more important signifier right. in the story so anyway um what happened this past i think week or so was that the trial has started yes and one of my favorite things that i saw on the internet about the trial was the opening uh salvo of the uh, defense attorney was his knock knock joke who's there george zimmerman george zimmerman who I don't know. Okay, you're on the jury. <laughs> we kind of messed up the... Yeah, but it's fine. <laughs> right. the, the gist of it was, <laughs> the gist of it was in voir dire, uh, what a defense attorney is trying to do is find people that don't know a lot about the story or have not made up their mind yet. And that was his joke about, if you don't know who George Zimmerman is and don't have an opinion about him yet, good, you're on my jury. But, you know, Alan Dershowitz got on, like, the pundit circuit and was saying he should be removed from the case, and this is malpractice for saying this joke. I I just thought it was very awkward. I mean, we all know that feeling of making a joke in totally the wrong place. Right. <laughs> so that was my favorite thing that happened on the internet with this story. Um, that was on the internet? 
Well, I mean, the video of it went on the internet, like the blog circuit the next day. So, yeah, it happened in real life. But like the distinction between internet and real life is a permeable barrier. It's it's a good little unit to go on the internet, too. It it encapsulates. I mean, it's like five (laughs) seconds long. It's (laughs) weird as hell. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Exactly. But another thing that went on the internet, another video segment that went on the internet was testimony from the trial from one of the, the lead witnesses for the state's case. Which one? Well, I don't I don't know. You just looked it up, right? Right. So why don't you just say, okay, well, the, quizzing me, well, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm notoriously uninformed. Come on, buddy. Get your head in the game. Um, all right. So there, there are two witnesses we're going to talk about, I think, or two sets of testimony. Uh, oh, okay. The, the first is, uh, I guess she's been identified as the star witness, basically. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and that's that's kind of a problem, I think, um, with, with, with the narrative about trials is that uh, if I'm like the star of the show it means that I, i've i've earned it to be here or that i've i have a special set of skills you know <laughs> that that's that's qualified me to be here but really she just happened to be in the right place at the right time right which is always true of you know these kinds of like quote-unquote star witnesses right yeah yeah and so unfortunately <laughs> for her she is uh uh uh, I mean, I guess, I don't know. So It feels very unfortunate in retrospect that she was paraded in front of a room full of a world full of white people right. being not one of those white people. And it's unfortunate that that had to be an unfortunate thing. It didn't, right? Uh, ideally, somebody should be able to come from a different cultural or socioeconomic background, give their account of what happened, and then fade away and not have people on the internet say horrible things about right. you. Yeah, so she was, on, I mean, just for those who aren't, you know, uh, up to speed on this, I mean, we'll make it quick. She was on the phone with Trayvon Martin uh, when he was shot, basically, by George Zimmerman, allegedly. Right before, yeah. Yeah, and so she overheard, you know, some of the things that he was saying as far as being pursued and kind of expressing some, you know, anxiety or whatever. So they brought her up to testify about what she remembered and what she heard, and apparently she, uh, I think she used the phrase creepy-ass cracker to describe somebody... Uh, possibly even George Zimmerman. Did, or did Trayvon Martin use that phrase? I'm fairly certain it was that she said, uh, Trayvon Martin said, there's a creepy-ass cracker okay, following right. me, or something yeah. like that. And, and then, that was, the, that was the, the, the implication was Trayvon Martin described George Zimmerman right. that way. And, so, and people just um, didn't feel like she uh, displayed the proper level of education and, and you know, um, sophistication right. for our legal system. Right. The code that people use is they say she didn't have respect for the courtroom or respect for the proceedings. But what they're actually saying is she sounded black and she sounded uneducated and that's not allowed in our courtrooms. So that the code that people will use is you don't show respect for the process. There was another story recently that was about this where I don't know who it was some football player you would know better than I would, slapped to the bottom of his attorney when, when oh, right. uh, basically the, the judge <laughs> asked, do you think your attorney did a good job in this case? And said, yeah, he did a great job. And then yeah, he slapped him lightly language, on the butt. You know, that's that means you did a great job. Right. Exactly. <laughs> he was just answering the question. And he got you know some time in jail as a result, had his plea deal declined. Um, and people said, yeah, he has to have the right amount of respect, completely ignoring that culturally that's a very respectful thing to do in the world that he came from, the football world. So yeah, this whole like lack of respect as code for I just don't like the way you're behaving because you're different culturally than me. I have a problem with that. But anyway. Yeah. Well, so I, I guess I kind of we, we've talked a little bit before on this show about uh, how the, the Internet masses can be unleashed upon somebody and kind right. of what unfortunate things can happen or whether sometimes it's deserved and sometimes it's not, I guess. And right. in this case, you know, the only thing that she did was uh, kind of witness a crime. Right. And, it's, and she's kind of the best that they have. Um, so I feel bad for her, you know, it's very, yeah. very sympathetic where 
she's you know kind of plucked out of nowhere and kind of stuck onto a world stage for everybody to mock and right. you know it's it's like in you know slaughterhouse 5 you know when the the human it, billy pilgrim is put into a zoo where all these aliens can watch him right and they're all like what is he doing it's so weird and gross right she is essentially in a room full of aliens uh trying to talk to these people that have set up this whole courtroom system uh and put her on uh, in front of everybody and she did i would say probably the best she could do as somebody that was not trained in a world you know that has the same language uh as as the the white people in that courtroom and not just white people but privileged people so yeah i think i think that the bottom line is i think we both feel very bad for her that she had to be dragged through the mud on the internet this way yeah i'm sure it she'll sucks yeah i'm sure she will i mean that, uh, above all else she seemed like a resilient person you know <laughs> she's not a weak person <laughs> so i think she'll be fine yeah it just sucks you know um because it reveals all of these assumptions that people have about culture and race and and quote unquote respect in a courtroom yeah and did you see uh, i think the smoking gun went through her past tweets and just found her referring like i'm a smoke up and like i don't know just not spelling things correctly and yeah. stuff like that. Like most people on Twitter. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. So that sucks. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot <laughs> of crap that out she's like catching. That. I know. Yeah. Well, a more, a more, I would say lighthearted, a more fun story throughout this whole trial, uh, was a, uh, an expert witness who testified. Yeah. And I looked Skype. it up. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to fact this. I'm going to fact That's check your job, this. man. That's your uh, job. I, I don't know. This could be wrong, but from, <laughs> from what I, from what I understand anyways, uh, I think he was a professor of George Zimmerman's and he was going to uh, testify that George Zimmerman had been trained on self-defense law because maybe he said something like, I don't know what the law is. Like, I'm just some guy. And I they're see. saying, yes, no, you're not just some guy. You're specifically trained. Sure. So whatever. So they- His training would be relevant. I mean, as from without without getting too much into my criminal defense background, but his training would be very relevant to him saying stuff like, I really was afraid for my life. If he's been trained to know, you should not be afraid for your life when this kind of person attacks you unarmed in the middle of the street. Anyway. Right, so they found so his it's, professor. It's, you know, a, it's, a good, it's a good get, witness-wise. Anyway, go well, on. But apparently he couldn't make it to Florida for some reason, right. so he was testifying remotely from Colorado. And... Uh, uh, I guess in a courtroom first for them, there's this new thing called Skype, and they just couldn't wait to try it out, you know, during a nationally televised trial. Um, for the first time. Right. And um, so what happens on Skype is that, you know, you have your, your username is, is displayed for all to see. And, you know, not much longer after that happened, did the Internet start all calling him simultaneously. <laughs> and, uh, and in fact, is there a video of this happening? Yeah, there is. All right. Thank you. No other questions, John. Can I cross? Is that his phone that's getting uh, it's, messages? It's someone calling the destination. Yeah. Hello? Hello? I get it. Just hit the client. I have no control over this computer. That's all right. Hold on, I'm just quiet. I gotta tell you, there's. <laughs> There's now a really good chance that we're being toyed with. Just so you know. I was there. No. All right. Is there another phone that you can 
that we could call into. And as you can see, you know, just totally no go. Chaos. Right. (laughs) Which, you know, um, I I think we were talking about this earlier, Stephen, and you you put it well. I I think if somebody were to be told about this, like, you know, yeah, they they brought in this guy on this this trial to testify on Skype. What do you think happened next? Yeah, they displayed this guy's (laughs) Skype ID on live TV. What do you think happened next? Right. And the, uh, yeah, exactly what everyone thinks would happen, happened. Yeah. And I love that story. (laughs) Why do you love it, Stephen? (laughs) Oh, uh, I love that story uh, because it, uh, it, betrays a complete lack of understanding on how how technology and the internet work right like it's this trial wanted to use the internet to make their lives easier but they didn't understand how to use them and did it all wrong and they got punished for it uh but also i love any story that has to do with light-hearted pranksters making things slightly more difficult for the establishment right yeah and he, and they, he just he <laughs> called back on the phone like five yeah. minutes later and or something they use the technology they use every time and right. it worked the same as his work as it has worked every time yeah well <laughs> yeah, so th- this this whole story, I mean, just kind of like in general, um, uh, it doesn't have that strong of a nexus of the inter- uh, to the internet exactly, other than that it's kind of being, you know, we're talking about it, you right. know, through this medium or whatever. So, right. but just generally speaking, the whole story, um, I think the phrase that you used again when we we're preparing for the show is pretty apt. It's it's a, it's a Rorschach test. <laughs> yeah, it's a mouthful of marbles test, and it's, it's a Rorschach it's, test. You know, and the internet's a great way to get your data on that Rorschach test right. to see what people are saying. Yeah. I think most of the stories we talk about on this show are just part of the story is always going to be this is what the internet finds interesting or important about this story. Yeah, but I, and that's I, all I th- we have for this one. I think what the internet can kind of say though on this, like you said, yeah. like finding this data to make these judgments. I mean, uh, people are pretty, um, pretty th- th- people know better than to say, "Hey, you, what do you what do you think about this black guy?" Like, "Oh man, I hate black people." You know, <laughs> yeah. people mostly have the good sense; they've been trained not to do that if they right. if they hold those feelings right, but. People on the internet say all kinds of things that they shouldn't say publicly, well, really yeah. not thinking about what, what the implications are. Well, and more importantly, they will just speak, and you can recognize the assumptions that underlie it. We talked a little bit while we were preparing about, uh, we didn't cover the Paula Deen story uh, on our podcast, but we talked about how when that story get post got posted, different iterations of the story on the internet, the common threads had people saying, I see no problem with Paula Deen using the N-word to describe black people. That's just how it is down here, right? And so when you see a comment like that, uh, I wouldn't see it usually. I wouldn't have a neighbor who's super Southern and would be able to point out to the rest of the world, that's just how the South is to black people. But now I do have that neighbor in the box below the story to see how the whole world is responding to the story. And to have to be hyper aware, Catherine said something about a frequent uh, uh, feedback giver and friend of the show, yes, uh, uh, said something about this earlier this week, that it makes apparent a lot of like racism and ugliness, but also good things, but just it makes apparent all of this stuff that wasn't apparent before. And it maybe forces us to confront that racism in a more real way than we had to when we could just be like, listen, in my city, no one's talking that way. So it maybe doesn't exist, or at least I don't have to deal with it. We now kind of do, because the internet is making global what used to be kind of only a local thing. Yeah, well, just to kind of wrap up my thoughts on the Trayvon Martin case in general, Mm -hmm. um, I I think that it's... uh, a lot to kind of pin all of this weight onto this one case. And I always, I just know people are inevitably going to be disappointed with whatever the outcome is. And um, so, you know, I mean, that's, that's just life, but I guess, you know, likewise, you know, I feel bad for the girl who's kind of stuck on the witness stand to kind of get everybody's withering criticism. I feel bad for Trayvon Martin, obviously being dead is, is bad, but kind of in in the, uh, a more abstract sense for, for him being uh, a a symbol. Like I, I, I don't think I would personally be, you know, able to withhold like the scrutiny that would be 
uh, in the in kind of like the flash pan of the whole world, you know, in some controversial subjects. It's hard. So, I mean, I would say that I don't think a lot of people are pinning the hopes or the failures of our society on this case. I think whatever happens with this case, it's going to show people this is where we are right now, which is true of every case. They're just not usually publicized this way. Um, but I think whatever happens in this case is going to show us this is where we are right now in that this part of the world and what's happening with these ideas. The bottom line is Trayvon Martin is dead, at least partially because he's black. Um, you know, there's, there's, uh, and that's, that's, uh, something that, uh, George Zimmerman's defense attorneys want to play down. And that's something that the, the prosecutors and lots of different activists and stuff want to play up. But it's kind of bare facts that, that part of the reason Trayvon Martin is dead right now is because he was black in that neighborhood when, when it, that was not to be expected in that neighborhood. And that is, that is the real central tragedy that exists whether this case goes one way or the right. other, that's the thing that still exists and the thing that is going to have to be addressed in the long run. Yeah. Sucks, doesn't it? It really does. Yeah. We, uh, need, we need to start fixing racism with our podcast. And on that note, <laughs> let's talk uh, about something else. Yeah, our next story is going to be uh, not as serious and weighty, but I think just fascinating from sort of an inside baseball perspective of the internet. So we're going to be talking about the competition between Instagram and vine for the future domination of uh video sharing of your mind yeah too. of your mind and also for, uh in the world of meme creating uh there was a bit of a shake-up slash insider trading scandal which i love that story so much and i can't wait to talk about All it right, more after this hey there listeners Hello. If you like what you hear on this podcast, check us out at enchantmentundersea.org. Yeah, we talk about the internet here on our podcast, but on enchantmentundersea.org, we like to uh, write about stuff like movies, books, music. So come join us over there, enchantmentundersea.org. Thanks. You're welcome. Uh, We're back. That's, I'm, I'm not going to do it. That's our catchphrase. I'm not going to. We got to find something better. Uh, we're back. <laughs> hey, I like those drums. Are those rentals. <laughs> Are those yours? Did you buy those? Yeah. It's going to be our new. Those rentals? It's going to be our new comeback phrase right. when we come back from a yeah. break. Uh, but we are back, and uh, those drums are rentals. And we're going to talk about a couple stories of. Uh, not a, a kind of corporate espionage, but the first one's not really corporate espionage. It's just competition, corporate right. competition. So that would be uh, not too long ago, Instagram finally uh, revealed uh, that Instagram is going to support video sharing in addition to image sharing. They will allow 15-second videos, and you can share them through Facebook, Twitter, all the ways that Instagram works uh, and works well uh, for, for sharing these kinds of things, which is bad news for a company called Vine, <laughs> who essentially launched the idea of sharing short videos over Twitter yeah, and came Facebook. out of nowhere too. Yeah. And it was, the thing is it's a Twitter company. That's a, a piece of the story. That's kind of, I don't know if people are paying a lot of attention to because people are talking about like, do you want six minute videos or do you want 15 minute videos? Uh, but the real th question is, do you want a company owned by Twitter or do you want a company owned by Facebook? <laughs> Cause Vine is owned by Twitter and Instagram's owned by Facebook. So, you know, I don't know. I think this is an interesting story because you could present it as a choice between oop, two platforms uh, that, that are indistinguishable from each other that are owned by these two different companies, you know, <laughs> and which one you would choose. Do you use Vine at all? I, I started using Vine recently, actually. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's pretty fun. Like, I, I think the thing that is... Uh good about it from like an application standpoint is uh the six seconds um uh you just kind of, kind of 
because it's it, it just uh it has to be like just a burst basically right it, it facilitates like quick cuts from like this thing to that thing mm-hmm. um so there, there's actually like there's a high uh potential for kind of humor and that kind of thing so yeah i mean it's just just what 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 the end result is is either f- so fast that it's you know fleeting enough that you didn't feel like you wasted your time learning about someone's pancakes or right. it can be funny you know um right. very very succinct and elegant it can be poetic right right yeah, and that that is the genius of Vine. That is definitely the genius of Vine. Um, but now it's the genius of Instagram because Instagram works the same way, uh, right? It's not different. <laughs> Instagram's a little longer, but otherwise it's exactly the same as Vine. Right. So yeah, the thing the thing I like about these stories, and we'll you know kind of talk about the more complex and you know version of this next, but. I like that there are these cutthroat battles that are being waged every day for control of our lives by things that we just sort of take for granted. Right. Yeah. It seems like such an arbitrary choice between six versus 15 second videos. What it actually is, is like a fundamental platform choice that affects the lives of like a whole team of developers. Right. Yeah. Like the whole team of Vine developers might get fired and Vine might shut down just because Instagram decided we're actually going to also do video. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, (laughs) uh, 15 seconds. Right. I could go either way. (laughs) It's very interesting. What, you know, the the nuanced things that should make a difference but don't are uh, that... You know, Instagram doesn't integrate very well with Twitter. Sometimes you have to click through an Instagram link to see an Instagram page right. to see a thing, right? That's not stopping enough people that they're going to choose Vine instead of Instagram. Uh, I, Vine will still have its diehards because people are going to, you know, people get brand loyal. Um, but it's not been long enough that people are incredibly brand loyal. So. Nope. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that story. Uh, and that's a story that happened above board, you know, very normal corporate rollouts and uh, people choosing sides. Uh, also, another example of above board corporate rollouts, people choosing sides is the Google Reader shutdown. Mm-hmm. Our podcast would like to officially endorse Feedly. Yeah, man, Feedly. <laughs> it's F-E-E-D-L-Y. Google it. It is our bing it. Uh, stop using Google if yeah, you want. What they say on Arrested <laughs> Development? <laughs> something it. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Just something it. Do a something search. Uh, but yeah, Feedly. We're officially throwing our hat in, in towards Feedly because Feedly is is the solution to solve. Yeah. Expect more enriched and nerdy, densely nerdy podcasts in the future. Yes, let's hope. Because of <laughs> Feedly's uh, amazing organizational and uh, cross-platform abilities. Yeah, I don't know if that's if it's going to get that much better. No, I have been no, using I don't Feedly. I don't want to set the bar months. too high. Yeah, I have been using Feedly for two months, and it's not really. <laughs> this has been. A Let entirely... me have this one thing, Stephen. Okay. <laughs> okay, fine. You can have this one thing. Thank you. But the the other story that is a little more corporate corporate espionage and uh, more interesting is the story of Quick Meme and Reddit. Uh, so as background, uh, I'm sure most of our listeners have seen these little things. They are referred to as memes, and they are pictures of something with words on usually the top and the bottom, uh, sometimes set up punchline, whatever it is. And some examples include Insanity Wolf, Advice Mallard, Scumbag, Steve, Good Guy Greg. Uh, any any favorites, Tobias? I mean, Scumbag Steve is pretty good. Yeah, he's good. What's the, um, yeah, I can't remember what they're called, so I'm not yeah. even Yeah, there's this it. one that's like successful black man. Right. Right, which will have like, you know, uh, uh, um, 
I got so high at the top and then the bottom will say on the mountain I climbed last week or right. whatever, right? Like that's a very bad example, but we'll post some examples along with They'll the be show. Great. But anyway, so these memes have to be made and they have to enter the, the collective world of the internet somehow and become memes and they have to enter into our, our, our trading back and forth. And the way that they're usually made used to be MS Paint or, you know, um, uh, Photoshop, whatever, but recently they've all been made through either a company called Meme Generator or a company called Quick Meme. Because it's way easier. It is so easy. You pick a picture, you put in some words, and then they're all there in a gallery for that, you know, that purse, that particular meme, whatever it is. So, you know, Success Kid is all about like, uh, you know, uh, success, like a little kid having minor successes, right? Like, built a sandcastle, no bullies knocked it down, or whatever it is, you know? What's the name of the meme of the, the kid who went to Vietnam and came back a monster? Okay, we'll put it on the Facebook. Yeah, that's, we'll that's one of my favorite ones. Okay. Okay. All right. But yeah, so uh, so these are all being generated by using these two different uh, uh, programs. And most of them are being traded on a Reddit sub forum, a subreddit called Advice Animals. And you started with Advice Dog, which was a dog that would give you advice. And then there was Insanity Wolf, who would give you this insane advice, you know? Uh, anyway, and so uh, Advice Animals is the, the meme sort of subreddit. Uh, and on this subreddit, people will post all these different ones that they've made, and they'll compete and get upvoted or downvoted or whatever, depending on their merits. Uh, again, like I said, there are two companies that people were using, two websites that people were using to make these. And, of course, there are moderators, which are, you know, the cops, the ones who are saying this violates our terms of service or, you know, this is spam, this is not an actual thing. Too many dicks. Too many dicks on a non-dick subreddit um, because there are, I mean, there are dick subreddits. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so uh, there is somebody who's in charge of monitoring these things and removing links if they prove problematic. And not all these people know each other personally. They mostly know each other through their aliases, uh, you know, like their their pseudonyms, right? The Internet's not anonymous. It's pseudonymous. Uh, everybody's tied to a name. It just happens to be a, a different name than their quote-unquote real name. Anyway, so they all know these pseudonyms, but they don't know who each other are. And after careful research and consideration, these moderators had realized that one of their own had been systematically getting rid of posts that were posted through Meme Generator and voting up posts that were from Quick Meme. So basically somebody had been choosing one meme generating website platform over the other to choose which links they're going to upvote, downvote, which ones they're going to remove, etc. And why would somebody want that? All right, uh, why in the world? <laughs> and so after more digging, these moderators, and we'll post to the story that I saw on this, which is a fantastic story, these moderators discovered that this pseudonym actually led back to one of the co-owners of Quick Meme, one of the people who created Quick Meme. So essentially, this is somebody who has a stake in a company uh, going to the main place where their business is trained and getting rid of the competitors systematically using a pseudonym. You would think this would have come up sooner. Well, right? you think it would have happened more often at right. least. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, Reddit's like the place, yeah, you know, but it's, it's kind of like, But anything kind of goes, too, you know? The thing so. is, stuff like this, um, nothing on the business side has happened, but there has been, you know, some gamesmanship where people are trying to consolidate karma, right, and get, like, better, more higher point ratings on... Uh, the best example would be somebody who's, like, plagiarizing on Twitter, right? Somebody who's stealing other Twitterers' jokes, um... 
there's somebody who did that pretty recently, and uh, you know, he, he got in trouble for stealing old jokes from all the people he found funny, and basically slightly rewriting them and posting them. And so that kind of plagiarism is happening everywhere, which is basically consolidating your brand at the expense of other people's well, brand. I'm talking about but corruption yeah, by these Reddit moderators. I like, agree. Who are these guys? You know, I mean, it's so interesting. The thing is, I think the position of moderator attracts some of these um, uh, internet utopists. Right, like a lot of people that become moderators are the people that have sort of a utopian vision. Right. They believe in like um, the community standards, right. And, right? Yeah, and you know they can get in trouble for not upholding them. And the fact of the matter is, this probably has happened on other subreddits in more minor ways. Um, but this, like, like we were just talking about with Instagram and Vine, there's this revenue stream that comes from just being the person who's doing this, right? And I don't know where Instagram and Vine are getting that revenue stream from, right? But Quick Meme and Meme Generator have ads on them, and so these guys, these developers that and almost invariably they are guys which is something you know uh that unacknowledged in this story is that these are dude moderators and dude company owners and dude voters and like a couple females but anyway um uh these these dudes these guys uh, their livelihood kind of depends on whether you choose meme generator or quick meme and that's how important it is to them that they were going to game the system to help themselves and as you saw the result for quick meme of this whole thing, they've been banned from the subreddit entirely for trying to game. It's like system. a death penalty, right? For them, yeah, it yeah. sure is. Yeah. So anyway, I thought that was an interesting story. Uh, you know, it's it um, from the outside, these kind of stories can look piddling and small, but I just love how epic it feels from the inside. My touchstone for this is always uh, the movie King of Kong: A Fistful of Quarters, which is about the Donkey Kong High Score Championships, right? And from the outside, it looks so stupid and pointless, but the the movie gets so deep into it, and it feels so important. And there are heroes and villains and lives at stake, and that's what it's like for everybody in every one of their passions. And you know, Quick Meme and Meme Generator are an example of that. My touchstone happens to be an Onion story about how. Uh, uh, Fruit of the Loom and Hanes are locked in this like battle to the death that almost all of humanity is completely oblivious to. And it's, you know, again, the onion, they, they know what they're doing. And, yeah, uh, yeah. That's it. Yeah, it's the same kind, of, same kind of idea. So yeah, I thought that was a cool story. All right. So that was our section on uh, uh, corporate warfare for internet hearts and minds. <laughs> uh, next up is our links of the week. Even though it's it's been about three weeks, yeah, it's 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 a week somewhere, yeah, and uh, and maybe a little bit of an update on some some of the other stories we talked about. All so. right, would you like to hear your project talked about on our podcast? Well, we're looking for quote unquote advertisers. Yeah, we'll stick it right here in this spot. Whereas uh, instead of us talking now, we'll uh, feature your thing. Send us an email at staff at enchantmentunderthesea.org. Let us know, and your your product or your project might get featured here unless it's cialis or or a nigerian banker who has money stashed away in that case uh, you can call me personally at <laughs> not getting to my cell phone yeah, dot com <laughs> it's not even a phone number each of us is just waiting for the oh other. god there's so much tension <laughs> we don't know what to do okay um <laughs> just starting without you know announcing it at all just we're gonna go just cold open Here's the link of the week. Yeah, here's the links of the weeks. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, well, Andrew Tobias, tell me it, your link well, of the week. I, I'm so flustered. I, I need that crutch. <laughs> All right. So my, my link of the week is, uh, so th this is a guy who's kind of exists in the periphery of my life. He's a little bit more in the direct trajectory of your life, I guess. Um, Travis Irvine is a 
uh, Bexley, but basically a Columbus native who has gone on to do some weird uh, and pretty varied things. Like I, I wish that uh, one of my secret goals for myself is to have a Wikipedia page to, to gain enough notability to you know meet their notability guidelines. And I think he's done it by now. Oh, for sure. And yeah. um, full disclosure, right? I went to high school with him. Right. I'm friends with a lot of his friends. I know him well. Right. And he ran for mayor of my town. Right. <laughs> and, he, and he's you know he got Christopher Lee to say some really weird stuff about his uh, one of his humorously titled short films. Um, yeah. He's been on the people's court uh he just he's he just shows he's up there yeah. yeah and it's you know he has, he has a he has a knack for doing that and this, so this might be the height of his popularity so far yeah, yeah he um uh so there's there's been this ongoing war waging for the last six months i think uh, i mean it's it's been going on for longer than this but the, the basic it got louder in the yeah, past the, six months the cliff notes is um are rape jokes funny is it okay to tell rape jokes and you know, without getting into it, I think they can be, but you know, we're not we're not going to go down that road. Um, that it's, that counts as going down the road. <laughs> Our, I really don't want to go down. We the road. will talk about it maybe in another episode. Okay. But it, it's a fight. <laughs> because that's there's happening. no yes or no answer right. to that question. There, there are very strong opinions held, and it's basically waging these uh, these these comedians who are saying, "Oh, we don't." The thought police are trying to keep us down, and political correctness run amok, and we're being we're subverting the stuff by you know making these rape jokes and. Um, you know, they're making a censorship argument basically too. And then there's on the other end, there's feminists who are saying, well, you're just playing into the rape culture and you're marginalizing our viewpoints and blah, blah, blah. And that's the way oversimplification of yes, the two positions. Absolutely. Yes. And so, but it, suffice to say, it's this, this argument has been happening. Well, right. Travis Irvine decided to, um, uh, he apparently saw a tweet or as a Facebook message. Okay, so something like that. It yeah. started with some comedian in New York had a Facebook message about how yeah, I, I choked my girlfriend, you know, or something like that. He, he acknowledged committing a domestic violence act upon a significant other. Right. And uh, <clears throat> a feminist with which he was arguing uh, decided See, to read. I'm. I just had. Let's just not. Let's not call her a feminist and just call her a person who sort of makes her bread and butter writing on feminist issues. Okay. Right. Because like I'm a feminist, you know. So I don't know if I. I'm okay with the characterizing of like feminist versus comedians or whatever. Anyway, so I'm, someone who writes about I, I'm feminism. Just, I'm keeping a binary for the for, for I, the, yeah. the sake of a clear narrative, right? It's, but yeah. your, your point is taken. The I easiest way to keep it binary is a, a, a different person who writes about feminist issues. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> so uh, a person who who who's uh, who's known for writing about feminist issues decided to, to to publicize the fact that he said this, and you know, to somewhat you know, people disapproved of that. Call out this right. guy. Yeah, and um, so. Uh, Travis apparently discovered that and weighed in saying something like, what's the big deal? You know, um, I, I don't really know what his point was. I guess I don't want to paraphrase him too much for risk of getting it wrong. But my understanding was that he didn't know what made this noteworthy right now for this to be brought to light. So he, he decided to write about that. And he was skewered um, by the Internet. Um, he uh, she retweeted what he said. And then he was he was a subject of a lot of criticism and some people that we know apparently weighed in it's a big mess so th the reason why i think this is interesting yeah. uh is that uh this is a guy that i don't really know but i sort of know him yeah and he's in the middle of like this white hot internet fight and yeah. uh it's it's possibly sort of a going on right issue. now yeah so we'll, we'll, we'll point it out um i, I think that Steven's a little um, handcuffed from talking about it because he actually knows the people involved. Yeah, but. I mean, I don't want to say anything good or bad about Travis, except that he was nice to me in high school, and that isn't true of everybody in high school. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you know, I don't really have a lot to say about this subject, but I think it is a thing that we can comment on further as it develops, because sure. I think it's the intersection of, the internet is a great place for 
uh, for, you know, in comedy clubs, people would make kind of horrifying jokes and not expect them to be anywhere. And now comedy club sets get posted to the internet. And that makes a very private comedy club setting into this very public internet setting. And so it's rewriting the game of how comedians can experiment with risky topics. Yeah. So, and, yeah. and I'm sympathetic to arguments about uh, free speech and um, a lot of com- comedy over the years people f- have found offensive and they are subverting people's expectations and blah right. blah blah right. and then there are a lot of comedians who make really uh, um, uh, jokes that are very uh, in very poor taste and right. that, that you know bully people who are bullied already and you know so it just it, it's, it's a legitimate fight and uh, this, is, this is a good example of that yeah absolutely very cool my link of the week uh, is in simplest terms a Reddit AMA of a reality star. So Reddit, uh, as we've talked about before, is a thing that exists. And AMA stands for Ask Me Anything. And people that are in, you know, have interesting things about them or are celebrities or whatever will host a question and answer session on Reddit where they can answer questions. And so this thing was ha- this kind of thing was happening for a long time where politicians and, you know, celebrities and blah, blah, blah could do this kind of thing. But nowadays anyone can do one. So you'll get one that's like someone will create like an anonymous account and be like, you know, I was a major drug trafficker in Mexico. Ask me anything, you know, or um, I, I used to be a guy and now I'm a girl ask me anything right or whatever it is um and one of them was this guy who has said I started I was one of the people in uh the reality show Kid Nation ask me anything now if you've not seen Kid Nation the basic premise is that a reality show company took 40 children ages 8 to 15 and dropped them in an abandoned like movie set ghost town and said make a society and didn't tell them what they did, what they needed to do. Didn't tell them, you know, uh, uh, you're not allowed to swear. You have curfews, no candy. And I've never seen this, but I'm kind of fascinated by it. It, it sounds is, like an interesting idea. It is such an interesting it sounds, idea. I mean, it sounds awful too. It is. But. It is awful and an interesting idea, and it is so mishandled because they the the reality show framework ends up imposing all these rules on the kids, which is not what you want, right? They end up saying like there are these challenges, and there are four teams in the town, and each team's a district, and the district that wins the challenge gets you know a higher rate of pay so that they can spend their pay in the shop and it just gets so you know like most reality shows the rules are like obviously just made up in a boardroom and so complicated and imposed on these contestants but there still is an element of kids just trying to make do without their parents for 40 days and it's it's interesting but was it was it widely watched uh, it was not incredibly widely watched. Okay. Um, it is, I think it's safe to say, the most controversial reality show uh, in America hmm. because uh, how it they basically chose this town in New Mexico because New Mexico had lax, I think it's New Mexico, um, had lax uh, child labor laws. And so they were allowed to have the show what, there, what a, essentially. What, a, what an honorable distinction. Exactly. It's not true anymore. Those laws have changed. <laughs> uh, and a couple of people sued under human rights violation claims. Some children were injured for, like, drinking bleach. It's just, you know. But that's what's so interesting about this guy's uh, AMA, this guy Michael from the show, is he was talking about uh, stuff that happened behind the scenes that is so interesting, like children beating each other up and one kid drinking bleach. Kids, like, lying to the camera crew and getting food from the camera crew you know and like having favorites Michael wanted to listen to the new Shins album and so one of the camera people gave him their iPod for the night so he could listen to the new Shins album when it came out you know so all that stuff is not in the show but to me that's the most interesting thing the show right, is so of, like, formulaic you know, and boring the, the challenge exactly whatever, right? what's interesting to me is you know 
which kids, I don't want to know which kids are hooking up with which other kids, but I do like the idea that you have these kids that are just, just developing like libidos, you know, and you lock them into yeah, a summer camp with no rules, yeah. and none of that is addressed, and it's all happening. So anyway, it would have made such a great documentary, and instead it's just this whitewashed, boring reality show. Right. Yeah. And it's always, you know, the thing about children is their inner lives are always a lot more interesting than their external lives. Absolutely. See, you know? Absolutely. And hearing these kids talk is just so, you see these hints of what must be going on in their brains. And the show, instead of just letting them talk for five minutes, cut up a 30 second sample from all of that five minutes so that it just sounds like they're saying, I don't like so-and-so because right. they won't do their chores, you know. But what they're actually saying is, you know, we live in a society with rules and we all have to have a job. This person isn't doing their job. They're hurting the town and so I don't like them and you can see all those elements in the show but the show just cuts it up to like is there a lot of raw footage somewhere that could emerge as a documentary it would be so good if that were true what network was it on uh it was I don't remember okay well uh but it's got to be somewhere I mean that's uh, it's probably in a vault somewhere, but I would love it. <laughs> oh. The thing is, it's it's most of it, I, I think, would not sneak past standards and practices. I don't think you can show on a reality show uh, children swearing at each other, you know, in like sex and whatever. Yeah, I, I wonder, you know? I mean, I wonder if it was ever subpoenaed for one of these lawsuits. That would be interesting. It, I... The show, uh, for the for the lawsuit that I know about, um, uh, it was a little girl who injured herself while cooking panca- or potato pancakes or something, like cooking up p- potatoes, and she got splattered with grease. But in the show, she says to the camera, I'm fine, I'm not hurt, you know? And, you know, uh, Michael in his little AMA talks about, uh, uh, she, she said that because she was trying to angle to win the prize that week, because there's a $20,000 prize every episode wow. that's just given to uh, whichever kid the town thinks is the best kid or whatever and so Michael says I think she was just angling to win the prize but that also became documented proof that she was fine with it at the time so she shouldn't be allowed to sue the creators of the show later so anyway I mean all the footage is there you know and a lot of it was included in the show just to indemnify the show from the kids suing them afterward (laughs) anyway it's just so good Uh, watching the show is ancillary to the interesting stuff you can read about the show on this AMA yeah so what what are some some highlights from the AMA like what what, Um, I mean the most I thought the most interesting stuff was how um how there were 12 camera crews and each camera crew has three people right so that's uh, a huge number of people there were 40 kids um and there were essentially that many adults as well and that's just not acknowledged mm-hmm. <laughs> that there's all these adults wandering around the town but they just don't tell the kids what to do um there were like actual riots in this show at one point they like tore down the job board and everybody could like riot and steal all the candy they wanted to steal and stuff like that but the most interesting thing from the ama is that michael and one of the other people on the show wanted to break off from the town start their own district that was based off of like merit you know and people who are doing their job can get certain rewards and instead of just arbitrarily whoever wins a contest gets whatever reward and they were going to break off their own community but the producers of the show told them they could and do it so that's you know that's so interesting to me because that if they should have let them do that the producers right. should have let these kids actually make their own rules and to hear at first I thought oh the kids are just going along with the format but the truth is the kids knew it was not very interesting or one of my favorites is there's an episode that's all about how trash is collecting in the town and they need to take care of their trash problem and Michael explains how basically while they were sleeping at night the whole of the 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 production staff brought in like a hundred pounds of animal waste and threw them in the trash pile Mm. and threw trash all over the town and woke everybody up in the morning and said you have a trash problem and today you're gonna clean it up you know 
uh, totally like invented, uh, and which is to be expected because it's a reality right. show. So that's how they work. Yeah, but just to hear a kid talk about it, somebody who was uh, fourteen at the time and is twenty something now, talk about his experiences. Yeah. It's it's pretty it's pretty enlightening. Can't wait to read it. Yeah. So before we head out, one update on a story we've worked on before. Yeah. Edward Snowden is jet setting. It's like you know who knows where. Right. Yeah. He. Uh, I've seen several rounds of photos of like empty seats on airplanes yeah. and like uh he's i've heard it's connected to ecuador and venezuela right. and china i think he might be in russia now that's what um, they're saying he wanted to get into um uh i don't remember well so he's, he's ev- tried a couple different places yeah he's everywhere and yep. i it's not much of an update. It's just to say the story about Edward Snowden is not getting prettier and easier. It's getting uglier it's and more compl- complicated. Yeah. yeah. So that's all. Anyway. Yeah, and no feedback this week. Yeah, right? no feedback. You mentioned it. Yeah, but that's okay. Still no feedback. You know, listen, if people have things to say, I'd love for people to share it. Right. By Facebook, Twitter, uh, emailing staff at enchantmentunderthesea.org or uh, better just yet, posting it on this post. Uh, at the bottom of this post to, to let us know what you thought of this episode and if you have any any concerns or comments for us. All right. So thanks for listening as usual. and uh, We'll be back at some other indeterminate yeah. time in the future. Our, our weekly show will continue in some number of weeks in the future. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Hold On to Your Butts is a production of EnchantmentUnderTheSea.org. Your hosts were Stephen Goldmeyer and Andrew Tobias, editing by Stephen Goldmeyer.